Let's talk about this weird summer job of being an elevator operator slash lobby attendant. I think I was like 18 or 19 years old at the time. And I'm in the basement of one of the original glamorous midtown skyscrapers from the 1920s, standing in the locker room with a coworker who I had at the time. This dude was like five foot nothing, had the thickest glasses you have ever seen on any human being ever. And we're standing by his locker and he is showing me what is a Derringer pistol that he leaves in his locker. And I'm like, what the, this is the craziest summer job ever. Hi, my name is Tim. Welcome back to the podcast. As weird as that feels to say, I'm going to tell you about the summer that I worked at this place called the Gray Bar Building and what a weird job it was and what I actually learned from it. You all have seen these people a thousand times. The folks that stand in the lobbies and in the old buildings they would actually operate the elevators. We were staffed by elevator shaft and you had to control them manually during the morning. So we got a key and there was kind of like this weird retro video game in front of you. Once it got to the top, you would call it back down, you would hold doors and you try to do this as effectively and efficiently as possible so that the people that were going into the office would not have to wait for elevators. And it was kind of wild, like, I don't know, it was just one of those jobs where your friend got a job and you're like, hey, what are you doing this summer? I don't know, I don't have an internship. Hey, do this thing with me, it pays well. Like, I can get you an interview with so-and-so, and next thing you're you're in. And it was just so weird because it was just such this odd super low pressure during the day where you're just standing in the lobby and you're wearing the suit with the clip-on tie and basically trying to memorize like what's on what floor. Oh, hey, can you tell me where, you know, Rubenstein and Rubenstein is? Oh yeah, they're on the 34th floor, elevator over there. Okay, cool. Uh, If you need to check in as a guest over here. Got it. Thank you. And otherwise you just kind of stand there and people watch. And the pressure came from in the morning when there was the rush hour. And my God, did I suck at this at first. <laughs> it was it was hard. It was not easy to just all of a sudden be like, okay, cool, here we go. I've got way too many elevators that are on the top floor that I haven't called back down. I'm like accidentally closing doors when people are still trying to get on. It was a mess. So I was seen as like, <laughs> I was seen as a bit of a cluster for the first week. But I guess that that's the drill. Like nobody is good at this right away. So lesson number one, you're never going to be good at something right away. And that was a good takeaway for me that it felt high pressure. I felt like I was terrible at this thing. I felt like everybody hated me and they might have, but you got to start somewhere. And so that was just kind of like a nice breaking in point. And this was probably, I don't know, before this, I had been a caddy. I'd worked at a driving range. I had been a lifeguard. I was a head lifeguard. And this was just another summer job because I never had an internship. So I just got whatever random job I could get my hands on and also seemed like a decent place to potentially network, right? You're in a super nice building in Midtown. Who knows who you may come across or build a relationship with other than the guy that's got the Derringer. By the way, the Derringer gun are those like super weird tiny ones. And that's what that guy who I use as the intro had in his locker. Anyway, uh, this episode, by the way, because I want folks to get used to me doing ads, even though I don't have any ads yet. Other Half Brewing is the greatest brewery in the world. 
If you've never been there, they have multiple locations. Look them up online. There's a couple in Brooklyn. There's one upstate New York. There is one in D.C. Uh, or you can have beer shipped to you online as well. This is a 1,000% not paid for, but there's a fake ad for Other Half Brewing. And if you place an order online and there's an ability to put in special notes, tell them Tim sent them. And uh, and who knows? Maybe they'll be like, wow, Tim's actually got some influence and power here. But no, seriously, it's going to change your life when it comes to beer. If you're over 21, obviously. All right. So first lesson of this crazy summer job of being an elevator operator slash lobby tenant was that I sucked at it and that that was just a another place where it's like everything new you're going to suck at and you're going to feel terrible, but you'll eventually figure it out, which you did. But what specifically I learned, which is even better than just sucking at first, is anticipating needs and the impact of decision-making, right? So sucking at something first is one level, but like I'm going to get specific on this because when I say you can learn from any job, if you really want to learn from any job, you can learn from any job. What I also learned from sucking at first at this, especially when it came to the elevator piece of it, was anticipating needs and the impact of decisions, right? So how could I be more thoughtful about this is this one is starting to go up, literally bring the other ones down because the needs of other people are going to be coming around. And then the more you got into it, the more you could anticipate like, oh, you know, Mrs. So-and-so always shows up 15 minutes after the rush. Let's make sure that we call one down, even if it seems like it's slowing down, and then we can take care of her and be like, we got you. And then that kind of leads to a relationship and that type of thoughtfulness because you're anticipating needs and being decisive about things that could happen could lead to a place where all of a sudden you've developed a relationship with this person that likes to come in at this time and you you fulfill their specific needs. And there's a nice snowball effect there. Uh, obviously, just like timing and coordination, right? Just the ability to kind of have in your sense like, okay, here's what's kind of happening and here's my responsibilities. How do I handle it as best I can based off of timing and sequencing, right? If once you start to see one get full, or do you have enough that are already on their way down? Um, etc. And communication too, right? So if if a whole bunch of people would come around the corner, say out loud, I just sent like four or five up, I got you guys, but it's going to be about 30 seconds just to manage expectations, right? So I also was able to learn another layer of communication skills. And again, like these were things that I was already starting to build up because of those other jobs that I had, like inherently had to learn those things. But there are skill sets that you can refine in any friggin' job out there if you're willing to. Totally could have been just a, oh, I fucked around all summer and I did this thing and I was terrible at it. No, but because of my own paranoia, and look, I will say a thousand times with a caveat, it's not because I was smart enough to look at things this way. I was dumb enough to look at things this way, but it was to my benefit because I just, I was inherently scared of underperforming or whatever it was that I would try to get super nerdy about these things so I could get better at communicating, better at timing, better at anticipating needs, better at people management skills for all of these things just because I was afraid of people being like, wow, he's not good at this, even if it was an elevator attendant thing. And now at 45, these things have helped a tremendous amount along the way. So some of this too is like you could be – mid-20s and in a job, it's like your second job, you think, this is just not doing me anything. You can learn from it. I promise you, there's nothing you can't learn from. All right, so bigger high-level point was how much I sucked at it at first, but then 
kind of getting into the nerdy pieces of anticipating needs, time and communication. Uh, the next bigger bucket was under kind of like the people management skill piece, but it was just, you know, the, the characters and how to get along with different types of people, I should call it. So the people that I worked with, again, we'll go back to the basement scene for a second. That guy, we'll call him Joey. Again, the five foot nothing, super, super, super thick Coke bottle glasses. And not only did he have a Derringer in his locker, but he, <laughs> this is what I was told. I never went over to his apartment, but people say that they went over, they've been to his apartment to like go pick him up after work to be like, hey, let's go have a drink. And he <laughs> he would show up. You can't make this shit up. He would show up at his door to open the door and he would be in apparently his grandmother's, uh, his grandmother's negligee underwear, lingerie, whatever the fuck you want to call it. And just super casual. Be like, all right. Then I don't know. Like didn't really phase anybody. Doesn't really, you know, it takes a lot to phase New Yorkers. And this guy was an old, old, old school New Yorker. And so we were like, all right, cool. Like get dressed. We're going to go get a drink. And then he would like not lure people into, but say like, Hey, help, you know, if you want something, help yourself. And the one person that actually opened his fridge said that it just had, <laughs> it had nothing but <gasps> old person pornography in it. Oh my God. Again, you wish you could make this, this was like fictional or something. I'm covering my eyes as I'm doing this because I'm like, I can't believe this really happened. And that was true. And this was the person, but he was a nice dude. He was a super nice dude, and he showed me the Derringer because he's like, "Timmy, I got your back." <laughs> I was like, "I don't want, you. I don't need, I don't need you on my back." With, but uh, anyway, love you, man. You were, <laughs> you were hilarious to work with. All right, so there was, so there was Joey, and he was, um, and he was interesting to say the least. Then, like my boss was this like hardcore, hardcore. He looked like if Fat Joe was just super ripped like that would be this guy from just an overall aesthetics and uh, let's call him Frankie. And so Frankie was super nice and like he was, uh, he was so good at being buttoned up when he was on duty. And then once he got in the locker room or once he was off duty, he was just a wild man. But like one of those guys that was fun, wasn't too aggressive um, but there was a certain way to get on his good side and I found it easy to do so, but a lot of people did not. And I'm sure any of these characters are going to resonate and ring a bell with people listening to this. So you just had to, you know, I had to have my shit together and also know when to laugh and when to not laugh. Um, when to be generous, when to just be quiet. Like you just, you, you read people. So we got, you got Joey with the Coke bottle glasses and the grandparents' pornography and the Derringer in his locker. And you got Frankie, the, you know, super stocky Italian dude, you know, maybe Hispanic Italian guy who was like just, you know, easy to get along with, great boss, loved working for him that summer. Um, but, you know, he definitely had to get on his good side to be on his good side, if you know what I mean. All right. And then we had uh, this super tall, Irish dude again. This all sounds so cliche. We'll call him Billy, and um, another pretty happy-go-lucky guy. You know, you you just had to you had to know how to care enough about asking the right follow-up questions about things because as the summer progresses and you tell people stories, I felt like he was kind of sensitive to 
does this person actually care about me or is this person just here and being nice? And to really get on his good side. So then it was like, you know, hey, how was your softball tournament this weekend? But like, not only that, like, hey, did the lucky red bat with the three things of tape on the bottom pay off again kind of thing? And that was nice because that was just another layer of people management skills and being able to relate to somebody to be able to kind of like get into that depth. And so I really appreciated about that, about getting to know uh, Billy. And then there was this woman <laughs> and then there was this woman who wore, who worked on like one of the top floors. And the whole summer I'm like, I don't know. She was kind of flirty, but not really. And she was also probably 20 years older than me. And then the last day <laughs> she tried to go to, she was like, Hey, you should come upstairs to the lobby later. And I was like, why? <laughs> oh, she was nice enough, but, um, it, it was just the, the point of me putting her, uh, into the mix with the others is just how you needed to definitely like have the right tone and approach in the morning. And she had, um, she had a decent amount of power in the building. I forget for what reasons, but there was like a certain tone and approach that was necessary to get on her good side. I must've gotten too far on her good side unknowingly. Um, but <laughs> that was just another character to, uh, to have to, to deal with. Um, and then the last thing about like the characters and the people management was the memorizing of the boards. And that was because you would have people that would come up and just ask you this stuff all the time. And, that just added another layer of complexity in regards to who are you interacting with? What are they asking? Are they asking the right question? Someone could come up and just be like, hey, there's a lawyer in this building. And you're like, all right, let's talk through that sequentially so that I can help get you the right directions because there's like 40 lawyers uh, in this building. Um, and then the, the next one was, there's there's two more points. The next point was just getting good at things. So like... For all of this stuff, again, it could have very easily been, let me figure out the bare minimum just to flow through, right? There's different layers to all of this stuff, to all of these jobs. There's, you just suck where you're not showing up on time, your attitude's terrible, you don't care about the thing, like blah, 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 blah. Then there's the, I'm just going to cruise by, so I'm going to show up barely on time, I'm going to do kind of a good job, maybe an incident here and there, but not too, too much. Otherwise, I'm off the radar and people are just like, you're just as, you're, you will disappear as soon as you disappear. But then there's the element of getting good. And I wanted to get good. Again, never like super smart enough to be like these. I was just inherently paranoid about how other judged my performance. Didn't matter what it was, caddying, working in a driving range, et cetera, being a vice president at a big ass company. Like I, in part, am driven by exceeding people's expectations because for some reason I ex expect them to expect me to exceed their expectations. So then if I don't jump above that bar, that ain't right. Like I'm not saying, hey, you should be this way. The point of this podcast is you can learn from any job and hopefully you've already heard, wow, maybe if I looked at this thing differently, if you were in a mindset of I'm not going to get anything from this, a thousand percent you can get something from this. All right, so how much it sucked at first, the different variables. We talked about some of the people and those characters. Uh, now, getting good at this. So getting good at all of those things. How good could I get at calling up and down the elevators in the morning? To the point where, like, you would start to have conversations with other people. Be like, oh, interesting. I With car D, 
I won't let it go all the way to the top. Like I'll usually just pause it there because I know when I'm like, oh, that's a good move. Like that would totally make sense. Didn't have to, but it was just an element of how can I think just a little bit differently about it? Almost out of curiosity too, right? Sometimes you just stumble upon something like, oh, maybe if I just don't let that go to the top, let's see what happens. Might be a train wreck. It's already been a train wreck. So who cares? If I mess this up, then I know don't do that again. But if you want to get good at something, you're going to keep trying and you're going to try different things. So that went to running the elevators, that went to how well could I people manage across the board, whether it was the guy with the Coke bottle glasses or anybody else in the building, or it could have just been anybody else in the building. And then uh, what was the other piece? Um, Oh, and the memorizing of the floors. Right. Like I wanted to be that guy. And this was the hardest part. I don't think I ever actually got good at this piece because my long term memory and my face recognition is fantastic. My short term memory is not fantastic. So for whatever reason, I just could not for the life of me end up memor like I'm terrible at memorizing lines. If I had to memorize a podcast or like act, no chance. Can't do it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I tried. And I tried super hard and I would even keep like little cheat sheets in my pocket so that I didn't have to walk down the lobby to look at the board or whatever. Because again, keep in mind, this is a 1920s gorgeous midtown building in Manhattan. So it wasn't like, oh, let me just, you know, I don't know. It would just have one of those old school boards at the end of the hall that you had to go look at. So I'd carry cheat sheets and things along those lines. And then I would learn which other attendants knew which floors best so that then I would go like, hey, Joey, 34th floor is blah, 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 right? Because I knew that Frankie was like amazing up to floor 20, but then after that, his mind got a little foggy. So again, these were things that just helped me get good so that I left a solid impression so that when I left at the end of the summer, people were like, yo, Timmy, you were dope, man. You're welcome back here anytime. And I had some people in the building that had the legitimate offices outside of the one woman that was like, hey, if you ever want a job or if you need to network, let me know. And that just opened a lot of doors because I looked at it this way and I knew that there were certain opportunities, even if it was just get good at the elevator piece so that when this person showed up after the rush, you had the car ready, then they would trust you. You knew how to engage them the right way. They saw what you were good at and how personable you were. And then they were cool with helping you network. Um, and it all just kind of worked well that way. Uh, and then the last thing, last thing I learned that summer, and this is also one of those things where it's like, you don't just go in and think these are, this is what I'm going to get out of it. You start to learn, you start to do whatever. And then things just kind of appear sometimes. This last piece that just kind of appeared was my friend that I worked with there, and I had never spent this much time with him directly, but because we commuted in and out of Grand Central, because he basically went into Grand Central and the building was right attached to it, he taught me how to be frugal in a way that I had never come across before, where he would he found out within the first two weeks which of the Grand Central bakeries were going to chuck their old bagels from the day before when and where they would go. Right. Like one of those, we weren't dumpster diving for food, but it was like the step before the dumpster diving and he knew where to go. So we had free food like almost all summer, especially for breakfast and lunch. 
He knew where to go for like the leftover bagels and stuff. He knew where to go for the leftover pizza. And then he also was smart enough about not just having to eat the bagels and the pizza the whole summer, but then like what he would bring with him or what he would then use, maybe something else that we got. So then that there was a snack on as we were leaving and jumping out back on a train to, to go home. And the way that he specifically did that, I don't know. It was just, it was different enough that I learned about like really, really, really being frugal of like, Hey, I only want to spend $2 today and this is what I'm going to eat. And to watch him completely reinvent that as often as he could so that it wasn't just like, again, getting stuck eating the same thing all the time. Um, it was actually, it was like really, it was really smart. Uh, and he and I, you know, I haven't spoken to that dude in a while, but um, once we got our first like real, real jobs, uh, he was also the guy that started showing me some of those places around the city. It was like, hey, we got to go to this Chinese joint because it's all you can drink box wine and <laughs> and some of those types of uh, shenanigans just to be able to get the most uh, bang for your buck. So there you go. <laughs> There's the story of how I was an elevator attendant person one summer and it was an amazing job and if nothing else hopefully that shows that a you know don't need an internship and you can learn a whole heck of a lot and still end up being okay that summer job at that point can be something as random as working in a lobby somewhere I don't know how many lobbies still have people manually running their elevators I'm sure it's few and far between but uh, that's what I did and I learned how you can suck at something at first how you can then, you know, how you people manage and learn along the way, how you get good at things. And then the random byproduct of all of that was spending more time with my friend Eric and getting really good at getting really, really frugal uh, in ways that I hadn't necessarily contemplated before. So anyway, my name is Tim. Um, this has been this has been super fun. I love doing these. I've got a super long lesson, man. I can't wait to crank out more uh, episodes. And at some point, too, I'm going to get better at the Q&A stuff um, because that's going to be amazing. Corporate confessionals. Corporate confessionals is a thousand percent going to be a segment on this at some point, whether it's live call-ins or tape call-ins. And I think I still have some of your tape call-ins. That's happening. Love you all. Thanks for spending the time with me. Thank you for the bottom of my heart for spending the time with me. Cheers. Cheers.